It's your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be with you again today. Jam-packed show, um, as they often are this time of year. Randy Johnson, uh, Gophers football beat writer for the Star Tribune, will join me here in just a little while, talking Gophers, Iowa, that game on Saturday. It's been since 2014 since Minnesota beat the Hawkeyes in football If this is going to be a successful season for the Gophers, that has to change Saturday at Huntington Bank Stadium. They need to beat Iowa to make this a successful season. I think it's just point blank. That's what it is. I know they could still lose this game, maybe beat Wisconsin, and you'd still feel okay. But if this is going to be a successful year, especially after the setback they had with losing three in a row, you got to beat Iowa in this game. You got to stop that streak. You got to give yourself still a chance in the Big Ten West. And uh, we'll see if they can get that done Saturday. They are slight favorites in that game. Should be a defensive tussle. Randy and I will get to that more later on. Get to a uh, disturbing, wild injury update. update. Sounds like they're going to be without goalie Mark andre Fleury for at least a week. Putting him on injured reserve as soon as he can come back is the middle of next week. So a lot riding on backup Philip Gustafson and, uh, and others <clears throat> to get their offensive game going. So we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit here. A tough test coming up now against Pittsburgh, um, but a lot of home games coming up here on the schedule. So maybe a chance for them to get the offense going, even if uh, even even without uh, without Mark Andre Fleury, maybe they're going to need a little bit more offense in these upcoming games. Also, get to uh, an interesting uh, uh, Paul Allen, uh, K fan personality, Vikings play by play voice. People in a people across America are finding Paul Allen, LeBron James tweeting about Paul Allen, so I'll get to that at the end of today's show as well. First, though, what did I miss? Got to talk Timberwolves at the start here. They beat Orlando 126-108 to on uh, on Wednesday night. Watched a good part of that game. Kind of wanted to see what what they would look like. Just, uh, you know, had a little bit more interest in it after talking to some of the players and Chris Finch on Tuesday at uh, after practice just kind of wanted to see what they were what of what of the things they were saying would carry over to this game because there were a lot of them were talking about how they feel like they're getting better feel like they're getting closer feel like the offense was starting to click more um you know feel like you know <laughs> you know D'Angelo Russell had the the quote that I ended the podcast with on Wednesday talking about you know you can tell if the team has energy as early as shoot around um, you can tell who got sleep, who didn't get sleep, things like that. So I wanted to see how they would come out in this game, what kind of a professional effort they would put forth in this game, um, You know, knowing that Orlando's missing a bunch of starters, uh, missing a bunch of the more experienced players, a young team, um, a team not off to a good start. So this is a, t- this is a game that, <clears throat> by all intents and purposes, the Wolves should have gone into and you know established a, a pretty good uh, pretty good you know control of this game. I wanted to see if they were going to be able to do that and they did. They did from the start a really good first quarter, um, a really good first half, a little bit of a dip in the third quarter when the reserves were in there, but the starters came back in, reestablished everything. There was never really in doubt, even when Orlando got the deficit back down to, I believe, nine in the fourth quarter. Did not feel like that one was slipping away uh, the same way that the Cleveland game the other day, say, was uh, was getting tight and tense, even though the Wolves did win that one as well. No surprise that right in the middle of all of this was Anthony Edwards, um, because for as much as the Wolves needed to win this game, 
for as much as I wanted to see what kind of, you know, energy and professionalism they would put forth. I also did notice that this was one of the first games all season where the Wolves played in a way that was that was joyous to watch, that it was an actual enjoyable sharing of the basketball, that it was a performance where you watched it and said, okay, this looks like a team that, that likes playing basketball with each other, that likes that is putting some stuff together, that they're starting to understand what their overall strengths are. And no, no, no surprise that Anthony Edwards is right in the middle of it because not only is he one of, <clears throat> if not their most important player, especially over the long term, he is their emotional barometer, right? He is he is the guy where if he has joy, everybody else is going to have joy. It's not like he hasn't had good games so far this season. It's not like he hasn't expressed this in spurts, but I just I got a different sense watching this team on Wednesday. And again, opponents got to be considered here. Uh, Orlando is not a good team. We're not offering a whole lot of resistance in the first half when the Wolves racked up 70-plus points. Didn't give much of resistance in the fourth quarter when the starters came back in. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Understand who they're playing against, not just how they played. But the the joy of Anthony Edwards in this game, the understanding of kind of when to shoot, when to pass, the energy you needed to bring into this game, even if it looked on paper like a mismatch, that was a good sign for the Wolves. And I think Edwards talked about it. Chris Hine, um, Star Tribune beat writer, who was on the show the other day, um, asked him after the game, kind of, how do you build on this? How do you start to take this game now and translate it into, you know, future success, game by game by game, where you bring this energy, you bring this understanding to every game? And I thought Ant gave an interesting answer, so I want to play that now. For real, I'm still figuring it out, man. Um, you know, um, year three for me. Um, you know, I should be a little better as far as trying to be more consistent game by game, but I'm still figuring out, like, uh, routines, habits, um, trying to find ways to continue to dominate every night. And I think the more film that I watch, the better that I'm getting with it. Um, Crean always takes me every night, like, or before the game, telling me, like, him and uh, my trainer, Key, telling me what the, what the defense going to give me, telling me how to defend my uh, matchup and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, just try, I'm trying to be better, man. I'm trying. I'm trying for sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to figure it out, though, how to be consistent every night. For me, I think it's pretty much um, just um, – uh, falling in love with success because I might tonight I was standing in my jumper I went fading and you know the next game after I have a game like this I always come out and be fading and be relaxing my jumper instead of like I got to find a way to just be locked in like every game at seven o'clock it's time to lock in no matter what's going on throughout the day at seven o'clock I got to find a way to be the same way that I was tonight so um for sure I'm gonna try to come out with Philly and try to be the same way um you know, and I like the honesty there. I like the honesty that he's still figuring it out, and I think that is fair. He is just still in year three. He's a very young, um, young year three player. I mean, this would just be his, you know, senior year in college if this was, you know, a different era where players stayed that long. You know, and he's still, you know, still, I believe, just uh, just twenty one years old. I mean, that's not. That's not old. I, when, did you have everything figured out when you were twenty one? I certainly did not have everything in my life figured out when I was 21. Yeah, he just turned 21 in August of this last year. He's a very, uh, very young 21 uh, right now. So just still figuring things out, still figuring out the consistency piece, still figuring out how to kind of bring that energy and understanding that he's still figuring it out is a piece of that as well. 
Chris Finch was asked about that as well, Timberwolves head coach. Here was his answer to that question. It's approach. You know, it's mindset, it's approach. It's about how do you recover quickly? How do you get, you know, uh, restock the energy needed? Um, and it's, 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 you know, certainly it's not a skill set. It's also recognizing that every game's a little bit different and then doing those things that are necessary in that game, but also, you know, playing to your strengths and putting your, you know, imposing yourself on the on the game too. I mean, I think tonight, you know, tonight I thought he did a great job of real recognizing the game was not necessarily a pick and roll game um, because of all the switching that they were doing. And then, you know, after we had loosened them up a, a bit, we could drive them, and then we could drive their switches, uh, you know, in a second. You know, and that nuance that that Finch referenced—that's important. That's something that players do have to understand that not every game is the same. That not every game requires the same type of performance. Sometimes you're going to be able to shoot more threes because of the way the defense is playing. Sometimes it is going to be more of a pick and roll game, but and understanding that this was not really a pick and roll game, that he had to do things differently in this game maybe than what uh, than what he would do in another game. That's important. Then understanding going forward there's going to be different challenges. Get, getting up again for the next game, playing Philadelphia tough, getting the Wolves back to 500, which they have an opportunity to do in their next game. Bringing that intensity to every single game, understanding that yeah, you can't just have one good game and then fall back because that doesn't that doesn't get you that. That's not how a professional operates. And these are professional basketball players, even if Ant is still learning. So that's a big part of his journey to carry that energy, to carry that joy, but also to carry that focus into all of these to into all of these games. There's gonna be lapses. There's gonna be things where you're not at your best every night, but you have to have that focus and preparation going in. Maybe that's starting to click. Maybe that light bulb is starting to go on for him. And if it does, that could be a big key to this Timberwolf season. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. It's college football talk on Daily Delivery. Randy Johnson from the Star Tribune joins me every week. Um, Randy, I think we kind of left the Gophers in the ditch, so to speak, a few weeks ago when uh, when they lost their third straight Big Ten game. But... Uh, they keep winning since then, and some of their competitors are falling back to the pack, most notably Illinois. All of a sudden, a four-way tie uh, in the Big Ten West standings at 4-3, and three, Minnesota, Purdue, Illinois, um, and Iowa. And uh, still something to be sorted out in these last two weeks. The Gophers have basically zero tiebreakers, so they have to be the outright champs and almost certainly do, do have to win out in order to have any chance at claiming the, uh, the the Big Ten West. But just to be in that conversation, especially after where things had gone this season, um, having something to really legitimately play for at this point, because um, kind of shows you how fast things can change in this league. Yeah, definitely. You know, the Gophers took care of business in three games, uh, Rutgers, Nebraska, and now Northwestern. So they, they did what they needed to do to get back in it, and some things broke their way, uh, especially the uh, – Purdue win over Illinois that, that has those four teams bunched together now. Uh, the Gophers do need help, though. That, that's that's the tough part. If they win out, they win their last two against Iowa and Wisconsin, they will at least be uh, West Division 
co-champs or tri-champs or whatever. Um, but they're in tiebreaker trouble, so they need uh, they need Illinois to lose one more game, which could happen. Illinois plays Michigan this week, then finishes with Northwestern. And they need Purdue to also lose one more time. Uh, the Boilermakers have Northwestern this week in Indiana in the finale. Both of those are the last place teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, so Purdue definitely has kind of what we would consider the inside track at this point because they do have, you know, the tiebreaker and and have the easier, probably have the easiest games uh, of anybody. That said, Iowa also plenty to play for because if Iowa wins out, if Iowa wins this game and wins their finale, they've got the tiebreaker over to, over Purdue. And if they got Illinois yes. to lose to Michigan, that would be Iowa's Big Ten West in a season where they've been so maligned when there have been so many jokes about Iowa's offense. Can you even imagine that? Well, yeah, and and they did it again against Wisconsin. They they beat Wisconsin twenty four to ten, and it really wasn't the offense's fault that they won the game. Uh, they had they got a uh, a pick six from a D back, and then that same D back, uh, uh, Cooper Dijon, uh, returned a punt forty one yards for a touchdown, setting up another uh, forty one yards for setting up to set up another touchdown. Uh, and they had, they had a blocked uh, field goal also. Um, they they won that game despite finishing. Only 146 yards of offense. And that's kind of, you know, that's been the story of their season. Like their defense has been awfully good. And I would say if you are to pick one side of the ball for the Gophers, that's been better and more consistent. It's obviously been the defense this year. That's not been perfect all the way through. Gave a bunch of points to Penn State and they had, you know, their share of struggles containing Illinois at a certain point. But um, this figures on Saturday to be a fairly low scoring game where you're going to want to minimize mistakes. It's going to be cold. It seems like um, in, in this environment, how do you, I mean, how do you see this game unfolding uh, with, with what we know about these two teams? Well, I, th- I think it's going to be a defensive battle and, and, and both teams, uh, the, the passing game for both teams are, haven't been good this year uh, in conference games. The Gophers are last in the big 10, uh, 157 yards a game. And I was just ahead of them at 164. So, you know, you'll see the ball in the air sometimes, but I I, I think we're going to mainly see a rushing game and, and and tight defense and special teams will should play a pretty big battle. And then Iowa uh, Iowa has uh, good special teams there, so that that'll be a a, a, a tough matchup for the Gophers too. Um, yeah, I, I expect uh, something low scoring. I see the over under uh, originally came out at three thirty two and a half in this thing, which means sixteen and a half to sixteen is the final score. <laughs> I think the Gophers would take it if they could. Yeah, they'll they'll take they'll take whatever they can to beat Iowa. They've they've the program has lost uh, seven in a row to, to the Hawkeyes. Last time it was in 2014. Max Williams huge game uh, against uh, in a where the Gophers put up 50. Um, yeah, they're 0 five with PJ Fleck as coach against Iowa. They've last year was one that they they really needed to have and didn't get a couple big plays. Suck them. They they ran up and down the field but just uh, didn't convert when they needed to and. Uh, again, this is this is one where uh, it's very important to score first. I was scored first in all those games, and 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 they get that lead, and they that defense can choke the life out out of a team. What did we learn about Ethan Calcmanis last week? It didn't feel like they needed to le- lean on him a whole lot. It was a lot of Mo Ibrahim. It was a lot of just you know they they got a lead on Northwestern and kind of did what you know kind of did what both of these teams will want to do this week, which is get a lead and then you know play from ahead and, and control the clock, things like that. They'll probably need more from him in this game. Did we see enough in this game and in his other 
efforts this year to think that he can deliver that against uh, what will be a marquee defense? Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to find out. I mean, he, yeah, they want they wanted more out of him last week. They um, and he he had an off off game. You know, he 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 was misfiring on throws a little bit behind some guys. And there were a couple plays that had he hit hit those passes, probably at least one of them a touchdown, another one a big gainer. Maybe the stat line looks a little bit better. Um, after you know, they basically he only threw four passes in the second half as the Gophers took over with their ground game. Um, I, you know, I think there's a point where PJ Fleck just said, "Okay, we're going to just take care of business here and, and and get get the win, and and you know, let's not mess anything up here." Yeah, that, no, that uh, that that makes that makes plenty of sense, especially at this point in the season. And again, like with with something to play for. I mean, they they do have at least an outside chance now of getting into that, you know, Big Ten title, Big Ten, Big Ten championship game. And like you said, at the very least, if they do win out, they are, you know, Big Ten co-champs, Big Ten tri-champs. How long has it been since that happened? Oh, when, what year was that? Oh, I, I, I'd have to look that up to find out when there were tri-champs. But, uh, you know, they in, in 19, they shared that Sarah shared the West title with Wisconsin. Wisconsin goes to the right. title game on, on the head-to-head win. Um, yeah, and if they win these last two, they would at least have a share of that title. But you know, you, they, everybody wants more than that share. You, you want to get the Indy. Yes. Uh, yes. The one thing, the, yeah. the one thing that uh, little stat in their in their favor that uh, uh, Purdue and uh, Northwestern. Um, I'm kind of surprised when I saw this, but uh, Northwestern has won the last time, last five times it's it's played at West Lafayette. So, you know, maybe there's a little hope there uh, for the Gophers for that for that upset to come through. Yeah, Purdue definitely a big favorite, more almost three touchdowns in that game. But yeah. you're right. I mean, Northwestern, when those two teams play, strange things happen. And Purdue yeah. is certainly the type of team that's showing that it's capable of beating teams. They beat Illinois. They beat Minnesota. They're also capable of losing to just about anybody. So you don't want to... Uh, don't want to put anything in the bank. You don't want to put any any game in the Big Ten West in anybody's win <laughs> column or loss column before it has actually happened because there's been enough upsets, enough surprises this year to know that uh, nothing is certain. Uh, a couple more thoughts for you, Randy, before we go. One of them being, you know, this isn't just a Gophers-Iowa game and a chance to win a trophy. This is the last home game of the season, a lot of last home game for a lot of Gopher seniors, I think a couple of them had uh, were were part of um, uh, the media availability on Tuesday. Um, a strange, you know, a strange career path, I'm sure, for a lot of these guys, just because COVID was right in the middle of it. What what was yeah. some of the takeaways from that? You know, just a lot a lot of them just so appreciative of of what they've been able to accomplish here. You know, they they point back to that 19 season that that was you know a magical year and a very good one. They haven't quite uh, returned to that level. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of appreciation of of you know just the camaraderie uh, camaraderie of, of teammates and everything. Um, uh, John Michael Schmitz, the center, the sixth year senior, he's part of that encore four. Um, that uh, three of them are will be ending their careers, uh, their home careers on Saturday. And another one, Chris Hoffman Bell, looks like he'll be uh, coming back next year if if they get the NCAA waiver for that seventh year uh, after his after his early season injury. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's a lot of appreciation uh, they were talking about, and, and you know they have they have some business to finish too. This is a this is an important game to them, and they you know I'm sure it sticks in their craw that that they haven't beaten Iowa yet. Yeah, as long as these guys have been here, they still haven't beaten them, even though some of them have been here now for uh, what six seven years. Even even if you go back that far, you haven't beaten 
Iowa. And then opportunity next week, too. That's not a home game, obviously, but at Wisconsin. If if they are able to win this game against Iowa, they are you know, small favorites in this game, at least according to the betting odds. If they're able to win this game, you know, we've been in this position before a lot of times where they, they go into this Wisconsin game. A lot of times it's Thanksgiving or right around Thanksgiving. They're playing one of these rivalry games and then they've come up short. Um, they, they It could be another opportunity for them to have a breakthrough type of win. Wisconsin's not the program it's been, but they're five and five. They they will not just uh, they will not just roll over in a game like that. They will want to win that game if if it comes to uh, if it comes to that. Yeah, I, yeah, and I look at it this way too. You know, Iowa at six and four, Wisconsin at five and five. You know, we're not talking you know the great Iowa and the great number uh, Wisconsin teams we've seen. Definitely over- not the great Nebraska teams we've seen. Yeah, that, that kind of snuck in there. But yeah, it, it's it's still tough to beat them. Both the same year, and how tough that is. This is this is interesting. Uh, the last time they they pulled that uh, exacta was in uh, 1990 when oh, and they beat wow. they beat uh, Wisconsin in in Madison in Barry Alvarez's first year as head coach. Then they finished the season in, in the dome against Iowa, an Iowa team that that day won another another Big Ten result uh, came in had clinched already had clinched the Rose Bowl. The Gophers ended up beating them. The interesting thing there, um, I was the beat writer for the Minnesota Daily. At wow. That it's maybe it'll come full circle here. Chris. Maybe it'll come full circle. Wow, 1990. Who's, I'm trying to think who the coach was. I was that Goody still? Uh, Goody, John Goodekunst. Wow. That's, it's, yeah, they, it's been 32 years since they beat both those teams in the same season. I mean, I know they had the long drought against Wisconsin, so it makes sense. But you would have thought maybe one of those Mason teams, I don't know, one of those yeah. one of those better teams would have done it. But they just haven't done it, and they get a shot at it every year, Randy. So uh, that's not uh, that's not a great that's not a great stat. I'm sure that's one that they would love to uh, to end their careers um, ending instead of. I got I got one more quick anecdote from that. Yeah, game do it. Interesting because it's Gophers got off to a decent lead in that game early in the third quarter. They're backed in the, the in, in like up against their end zone, basically on the one or two yard line. Well, this is back in the days when if a crowd, road crowd got or crowd on the, or a team on the road crowd gets wild. You could turn to the ref to to uh, basically uh, get a little bit of relief. You know, let, you know, they give you some time to maybe they calm down. Well, at the dome, the Iowa fans were getting so loud that Markel Fleetwood, the Gophers quarterback, had to call for time help from the ref for for a time. And, and so it was kind of going back and forth because then you know you get threatened to to have a delay a game. Well, then the Gophers fans started uh, roaring. So to, to possibly give Iowa a delay a game. So it was a uh, good, good stuff back then. Good stuff back then. And no, there was nowhere for the noise to go in, uh, in the dome. Uh, maybe we'll see what the crowd is like Saturday. I imagine people are going to be all covered in blankets. Uh, however many of them there are, but it's a rivalry game. It's, it's, a, it's got some meaning. It, it should, I would imagine should be uh, a, a good, decent crowd. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, uh, how much they are of help to the Gophers in that game. And uh, Randy, you'll have all of the coverage as always. Follow Randy, StarTribune, StarTribune.com, and we'll do this again next week, Randy. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Mike. Postscript to my conversation with Randy Johnson. He wrote in uh, Thursday's paper, tight end Brevin Span Ford. Sounds like he is foregoing senior day festivities on Saturday. Again, this is the final home game of the year, so any any seniors can go through the senior day festivities, kind of get to, you know, get their get their honors for all their time in the program. 
Brevin Spanford, fifth-year tight end, not going through it. Asked if he's thinking about coming back next year. Spanford said, we'll see. That's all I've really got to say. That would be a big deal for the Gophers. Spanford, six foot seven, 270 pounds, has 31 catches. That's a team high this year, 374 yards. <clears throat> um, he's got that extra year of eligibility because of the COVID season, and he might take advantage of that. Now, if he comes back, if Chris Ottman-Bell uses his extra year from uh, from injury this year. That would give, you know, presumed starter Ethan Kalikmanis two uh, experienced targets coming back in 2023 from a position group that could really use um could could really use a couple of of experienced guys. So if that's the case, that could be a big deal for the Gophers not just this year but in future years. Let's move on to the Wild playing uh playing Pittsburgh Coming up here, that's a tough one uh, for them in some respects, but it gets tougher when you think about all the guys they have missing from the lineup right now. Talked the other day about the scoring, the lack of scoring eight goals in their last six games. Ryan Hartman's still out. Jordan Greenway's still out. Sounds like they're reshuffling the lines again. Sounds like they're reshuffling the power play again, trying to find some combination that will get things going. I mean, they, they keep talking optimistically about the floodgates opening up, that they can start getting... You know, start getting one or two to go in, they can get a whole lot going in, but they got to get one or two to go in before that's going to happen. And it becomes even more critical now because Marc-Andre Fleury, goalie for them who has been very good lately, injured, upper body injury. He finished that game the other night against Nashville, the 2-1 to loss, but was injured at some point in that game and now is out for what sounds like at least a week. The soonest he can come back is next Wednesday when he is on injured reserve. So that's going to be a tough one for the Wild. Going to be leaning on backup Philip Gustafsson uh, to, 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 to carry things over. Now, this was a little bit easier at times, you know, in recent years when the Wild had Cam Talbot and Kapil Kakinen back there. You know, uh, there was a couple times where Talbot was out for extended stretches, and Kakinen played very well underrated stretches of of some of those last two seasons where they were able to sustain momentum. Now, the goaltending duo, completely different this year. Could have been Talbot and uh, and Flurry, but Talbot traded in the offseason. Flurry re-signed. Gustafson, part of that trade. So now, now the onus is on him to be the goalie. Not saying he can't do it, but this will be a test for them, a test for him to see if he can be that number one guy even for a short period of time. His overall numbers this year are okay, 1-3-1 and one with a 2.81 goals against average and 9-14 save percentage. Just got his first win the other day when the Wild scored four goals and beat Anaheim. You know, but before that, he, he, he hadn't had a win in his first four games with the Wild. So looking to see if he can be that guy. You know, he's a fairly young goalie, just 24. Um, he's he was the, the definite backup this year. Fleury's been taking the, the vast majority of the games, but... This is his opportunity now to show if he show what he can do to show if he can be that guy. And he's got to he's got to play a decent number of games. I mean, he he didn't hadn't played a whole lot hadn't played a whole lot this year, but the Wild, you know, between now and next Wednesday, uh they they've got a bunch of games. They got Pittsburgh tonight. Uh they've got Carolina on uh on Saturday. They've got, you know, they got Winnipeg after that. So, you know, there're at least a couple games where he's going to have to be that guy and we'll see if Flurry can get back in time to kind of to get back in the, into that mix and see where he can get to. But they're going to be riding Gustafson for at least a couple games here, and we'll see where that leaves them. We'll see if they can score some goals instead of just keeping them out of the net as well. Let's finish with the cooler. 
Cave fans, Paul Allen is not for everybody, as he calls Vikings games, but he is for a lot of people. People enjoy the enthusiasm with which he uses to call games. That has caught the attention of a national audience. LeBron James, of all people, tweeting about how much he loves Paul Allen um, after being prompted by a Pat McAfee tweet. Uh, Pat McAfee calling... Uh, Pauling, calling Paul Allen an um, incredible human. I've missed so much electricity. Uh, LeBron James calling Paul Allen a national treasure. Let's play Paul Allen's call of that Buffalo fumble in the end zone the other day. He and Pete Bursich going absolutely bonkers. We'll finish up that way here in a minute. First down from the goal strike for the Bills. Josh Allen puts Gabe Davis in motion. And Davis is behind Allen. And he tried to push him. He didn't get out of there. He didn't get out. He did not get out. That's a safety. Give it to us. Give us a safety. Look at what's taking so long. Oh, the ball came out. Yes, the Vikings Vikings are going to win. Are you kidding me? Yes, drop that ball, Josh Allen. That ball came loose. And on that note, Vikings uh, will be the subject of a lot of chat on Friday's show. Ben Gessling expected to join me, Vikings beat writer here at the Star Tribune. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Be back at it again tomorrow.